Well, we have three main characters in our parable today. Uh, we have, or three groups, I should say. We have the master, we have the good servants, which are two out of three, and we have the wicked servant, the lazy and wicked servant, as, as Jesus calls him in the parable. And so I like to start off just talking about the master and some of maybe the spiritual implications of what Jesus is trying to communicate with the master and the work that he's asking his servants to do. Since the very beginning of the church, we've had this understanding of what it means to be a Christian. And to follow Christ is not just to follow a wise model or a wise teacher and kind of almost like uh, following a philosopher like Socrates would have had certain disciples who would have followed him, and Aristotle, and some of these other religious leaders throughout the world similarly would have had these followers, the Buddha or Confucius, or Muhammad. Jesus is actually in his mission and what he's doing inviting us to participate in his actual life. In the life of God. And what we call that which comes from the early church fathers is divinization divinization. What this means is that we're not called to just follow God. We're called to become one with God. We start to change. We actually start to change. This is summed up by St. Athanasius when he says, God became man so that man could become God. Pretty powerful stuff. Pretty intense. So it's not just that we follow God. It's that God loves us so much that he wants us to be a part of his very self in the most deep and intimate way possible. This is expressed by the master who gives his property and all of his possessions, presumably, to these servants. So the parable begins with this major act of trust that the master has with the three servants. The master really has a lot of trust in them. And so just to kind of, to kind of run this home, what, what a talent is, is a tremendous amount of, of wealth. So one, we're not sure in this parable if they're silver or gold talents, but just say that it was silver talents that was given to the servants. One talent is equivalent to 20 years worth of work. And so we might think like a million dollars. So even this guy who gives, who receives just one talent is receiving 20 years worth of wages, a tremendous amount of, of wealth, of the master's wealth. And then the other is given two and the other is given five. 
And so there's this great trust right from the get-go that the master has, that these servants are going to take care of these possessions of his, his very livelihood that he's entrusting to them. And so I think I'll start off talking about the wicked servant. The man who received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. He came forward to his master and said, Master, I knew that you were demanding person, harvesting where you did not plant and gathering where you did not scatter. So out of fear, I went off and buried your talent in the ground. Here it is back. So we just can kind of see the disposition and the way that this man decides to make his decisions because there's a lot that's said in those words that he has. He makes his decision first and foremost out of fear. Now, hopefully we all know this very basic spiritual principle that is Fear is something that almost always does not come from God. A respect for God is healthy, and a reverence for God, that's what we mean by fear of the Lord. But these thoughts of fear that come into our minds very often are a weapon of Satan himself. Satan has the ability to tempt us into sin, He uses that power of his to try to tempt us. He has the ability and the capacity to lie to us and and help us to believe lies. And he also has another tool in his tool bag, which is the one we're hearing now, which is one of his favorites, which is fear. The voice of fear. And so we notice that this, this, this servant who receives one talent is very fearful of the master. He doesn't seem to have the same disposition as the other two servants towards the master. He looks at the master with suspicion. And he wants to hold his own little universe together in control. And so notice, for the other two servants, they have to actually let go of the the talents that are given to them. They completely relinquish control. And they make that risk in order to benefit from possibly making interest. They had to let go. This servant buries it. So it's it's under his control the entire time. He never lets go. Out of fear, he never lets go. And so we might think about this disposition that we can all get into where we feel like we have to control all these different aspects of our lives and just keep everything together. There's no trust in God. It's just us holding everything together. Because we're afraid of change and we're afraid of letting go of control. And there's, there's a deep fear underneath all of this and it, quip, it, it cripples this guy to basically be completely self-focused. So he's not thinking about his master as well. He's not thinking about why the master left him the money, what the money is meant to do. 
he's, think, he's completely concerned with his own well-being. And he's totally self-focused. By contrast, we see the other two faithful servants who let go, and they make their decisions not from a place of fear, but from a place of the master's will. And they trust in them. They don't really trust in themselves, but the, they trust in the master's trust of them. And so, as Christians, we don't really need to, you know, follow the mantra of believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. You can do anything. I think that's kind of foolish. But we can trust in God's trust in us because we trust God. And so these good servants, these faithful servants, they make the risky play. They re- this, is, this is what faith is. They, make, they take the risk of letting go of what's been given to them and it's out of their, it's out of their hands. And they're just trusting that what the master wanted them to do from the very get-go is going to come out and, and work. And so they let go of control of this tremendous amount of wealth. And they make a step of faith with their actual actions practically. They don't self-wallow in fear like the other servant. And so one just kind of very, I've been speaking about the parable this whole time and kind of speaking a little bit abstractly, but I think one very practical application of this parable that came to mind for me personally is noticing how our demographics in in the United States and also throughout the Western world as well um, we're starting to have less and less children and we're starting to get married at a later and later time in life so the age of marriage just keeps getting later the amount of children keeps going down And I think these two things are very strongly correlated with us as a society moving away from God. I think that's one of the factors, major factor. And also, um, and also our, our, um, lack of capacity to trust that God will take care of our needs. And so, what I mean by that is, um, there's, this, there's this feeling that we have now, I think, as moderns, and you see this with many couples out there, where they just want to hold, first off, they're afraid of commitment. This is kind of my generation. There's a fear of commitment and entrusting my life to this person, which is a huge risk, marriage. Um, where my grandparents' generation used to get married when they were like 20 or 22, and I'm not saying that's always the best case. There's sometimes there's prudence involved. But there's a lack of trust that God's going to take care of this if I follow His will and commit my life to this person for the rest of our lives. And that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive a return on my investment. And the same, of course, goes with having children, right? What is a child but this little being that um, comes into my own little controlled universe, me and, me and my wife, right? And we want to 
our lives before our child is, are generally about us. But from the very moment that that child is born, my life and all of my energies go outside of myself towards this other that I do not have the amount of control on that I have in my marital relationship. And, and it becomes this risk that I take because it's an unknown and there is not control. When is the baby gonna wake up? What does the baby need? And so there's this letting go of the power and this little universe that maybe I've created for myself. And I think there's a lot of fear out there to have children for this very reason and to get married for this very reason. The Lord asks us to make our decisions from a place of relationship and trust. All of our decisions and everything that we do should be from a place of authentic faith, which is making real practical decisions and, and with our lives and what we're doing in life around God and what he's asking of us. Very practical things where we take risks because we believe God is who he says he is, that the Lord Jesus is actually the king of the universe, and that taking that act of trust will pay off dividends in, if, if we follow him. Jesus, we ask you to bless our faith particularly. If we have any major fears that are holding us back from following you in freedom, we ask you to make us aware of those fears and give us the courage to take the step of faith towards you where we are being vulnerable and trusting and kind of putting ourselves out there to follow you. Help us to follow you in the various areas of our life that we are most reluctant to trust in you and to follow you, to follow your, your commands in our lives, which are for our benefit. Help us to let go of control of our lives and trust in your divine providence to take care of us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.